Bless the Lord. Wow. Um, how many has the Holy Spirit already been ministering to? Do you, honestly, if you have ears to hear, God's been speaking. He's been speaking. You know, in him we live and move and have our being. He's, he's touching hearts. He's healing. Healings were going forth. That was clear. My wife gave a prophetic encouragement, if you caught it, about not, about not having your list that has to get checked off, but, but go when the Lord says to go. Go when the Lord says to go. Ogo just shared about, you know, her own stepping out, maybe getting ahead of God due to her own anxieties or whatever and just stepping, I, I got to make something happen. You know, but it's like Jesus saying, come, sit with me under the tree. Come learn of me. I'm gentle and humble of heart, meek and lowly. You know, he wants us to learn his ways. He wants us to be students Another word for a student is a disciple. A disciple is one who is a learner, someone who studies, receives and professes to receive instruction from another. He wants us to be his disciples. I want to learn of Jesus. You know, when we were gathered here and then things are happening, and you got to say, okay, God, just, you know, let me get out of the way. Uh, let me make sure I don't, I don't, I don't stand in your way. Uh, but we want to learn. So, so, so that that's part of being a disciple. It's uh, it's hearing the still small voice, allowing your spirit to be quiet enough to hear his still small voice, because he's speaking. You know, when I'm in service, I'm worshiping. I'm often asking, all right, God. What is it you want to do here? What are, you, what are you saying right now? I mean, I literally have these conversations in the midst of our worship because uh, I, I, I want to be in tune with what he's doing. And, and so it's important to ask. Sometimes you have not because you ask not. And sometimes we ask and we receive not. Why? Because we don't ask with the right intentions, the right motives, the right heart. You know, Ogo made a statement over here about, you know, God wants us to be wealthy. I believe that's true. But it's not, if, if your idea of wealth is just to consume it on your own fleshly desires, then you're missing the kingdom. And that wealth will destroy you. And so God will hold back the wealth from you. Why? Why do you hold back a child your child, if he's like running toward a cliff, like, whoa, no, you can't get too close there or running by a pool or, or whatever. Because you know if they don't understand how to handle it, it will destroy them. They'll fall into a pool or drown. they go off a cliff or whatever because they just, they're not operating with enough wisdom. God wants all of us wealthy, but we need the wisdom. We need the heart. See, here's the thing. If we're not abiding in Christ, 
renewing our minds, filling ourselves with the word of God, and, and just parking there, then we'll get distracted by the, the desire for other things. You know, Jesus talked about the parable of the sower and the seed. And, you know, one falls amongst the, uh, the, the thorny ground, and it, it takes root, and it starts to grow. But the Bible says that, but the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things enters in and chokes it. These things are written for our admonition. These things are written so that we would see, understand, and say, God, I, I don't want those things to choke off what you want to do in my life. Jesus is speaking. Come on. Turn with me to John 8. I have to cut this really short. John 8, 31 to 32. I feel like the Lord has been all over this all day. Um, if ever there was a confirmation... <laughs> John 8, 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. Which Jews? The ones who believed in him. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Wow. There's a bunch of things in this, these two scriptures. There's abiding, abiding in his word. Jesus, you know, in, in the book of John, in the very beginning, it says, in the beginning was the, help me, the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. Later on, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was the embodiment of the word of God. What were we singing? Jesus only. That he was the word made flesh and he wants us to abide in his word. Abide means to means to remain it means to stay or wait in the word. Wait. Abide. Remain there. Stay there. Wait on the Lord. Turn with me to John 15. He's teaching us to be disciples. He really, this season is a, is a season about being a follower, being a learner, being a student of Jesus, studying him, letting the Holy Spirit lead you. Like, that's really important. It's really important that you let the Holy Spirit lead you. You know, the scripture says, as many as are 
led by the Holy Spirit. They are the sons of God, right? We need to be, allow him to lead, which, which means you don't lead him. God, I'm doing this. Would you just bless it? And sometimes, let's be honest, I think Olga was being honest up here. That was like, she felt like she ran ahead. And then it's like, God, don't worry, I'll redeem it. God, he's, he's redemptive. But there's another, there's a, he, he's calling us up to a, a better way. But don't run on ahead. You know? Listen, he said, he's the good shepherd, right? And he has the 99, and if the one goes astray, what does he do? He leaves the 99, and he goes and gets the one and brings it back. That one kind of went ahead, went astray, didn't stay with, in the leadership of the, the shepherd. And we all do that. I've done it. I, God, help me not to keep doing it. But this is where we're being discipled, being learners, students. God, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. Okay, John 15, beginning of verse 1. We want to learn about abiding. Jesus said, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Okay, now this is a, a parable. It's an analogy. It's not literal. I think we all get that. But he's trying to, he wants us to understand. You, he's giving us a picture so that we can use natural understanding to understand how the kingdom operates. I am the true vine and my father's the vine dresser. Now, I think if we were, you know, we live in, we're city folk. And we, a lot of times you read about, you know, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. We have no idea what shepherding looks like. And, but it meant a lot at the time, right, when a lot of people were shepherds and everybody was a farmer. Uh, so we have to try to understand a little bit about farming and keeping a vine in order to really um, fully grasp what the Lord is saying here. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So that's interesting. Why, why does the vine dresser take away the branch that doesn't bear fruit? Anybody know? And why does he take away the one that doesn't bear fruit? He takes it away because it draws life, but it's not producing anything. The branch that doesn't bear fruit is not fulfilling its purpose. So he cuts it off because he's looking for fruit. That's what a vine dresser does. And he doesn't want the the soil and all the nutrients being used up for a part that's not bearing fruit. He'd rather the, all the life flow go to that which bears fruit. That's just being a good vine dresser. And he's a good shepherd. He's a good father. So he takes that part away. Sometimes there's dead areas of your life that he's going to cut off. 
there's dead areas in our lives that are going to come under the knife. If you're a follower, take up your cross and follow him. We're going to die to ourselves. There's areas, even wealth. I mean, like he'll, if the wealth is killing you, he'll, it'll be gone in a moment. And that's because he's good. Because he wants you with him forever. He wants you learning from him. And if, if the wealth is going to consume you, then he'll remove it because he's a good dad. Like, my father wouldn't let me, like, walk off the cliff. And he was an earthly dad. Your father's good. He's not going to let you go off the cliff. Okay, so he takes away the dead stuff, all right? And then even the areas where you have some fruit, sometimes he clips it. You're like, ooh, that hurt. I was doing good. It's okay. He's pruning you to bear more fruit. I've had times in our lives that Tammy and I have looked at each other and said, what just happened to us? Like everything. And it looked like, I'm telling you, I've had times where I thought everything was over. Ministry, done, finished. We gave our lives blood and it's just looked dead, dead, dead. God was pruning in order to do something different. And if, I, if, he, if he didn't prune, we wouldn't be where we are. But he does that because he's a good, good father. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Look, every one of you who know Jesus surrendered your hearts. You're righteous. You stand in right standing before God. You're going to heaven. It's, it's all good. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. But then he says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This is abiding faith. We need to stay plugged in. I, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. Nothing that will last. Nothing that will remain. There's a lot of stuff we can run around and do, but if you want to have lasting impact, you have to just you have to be a follower. Let Jesus lead. You follow. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And actually, they gather those branches up and they throw them into the fire and they're burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Wow. Let's read that again. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall, not it might, it shall be done for you. But here's the key. It's the if, if you abide, if you stay in his word, if you remain there, if you meditate on it, if you mutter it, if you let it permeate your life, if you let it fill your thinking, if when you go to the doctor and he says, well, we, we see a report of cancer, you say, well, by his stripes I'm healed. I have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. 
You know, he, he heals all my diseases. He, you know, if that's, if that's the instant reaction that comes out of you, that's because that's where you're abiding. But if your first reaction is fear and anxiety, then, then you're saying, okay, somewhere I'm not abiding. I'm not abiding in the truth. I'm abiding in what someone's telling me. So when we have fear and anxiety, <clears throat> it's a symptom. You know, I remember my first pastor, Pastor Sadafel. He's gone to be with the Lord now. And uh, we were, we had such, Tammy and I got saved and we came under such persecution from family and we were, you know, 21 and I was 21, she was 18 years old. And like these, we got born again and they, my, our families, especially Tammy's family thought this was the worst thing that ever happened. And uh, they were just railing against us. And we were just young Christians. We loved the Lord, but we had no root, no foundation. I mean, just saved. And we made an appointment with Pastor Sadafel, and it's like a doctor. He says, I'm going to give you a prescription. <laughs> you had to read Psalm 27 three times a day. <laughs> read, read Psalm 91. You know, and it was like, you do this three times a day, and you just... <laughs> God bless him. He, was, he, 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 he understood something. You need to plant yourself in truth, not in circumstances. Circumstances are going to scream things at you. The word of God will last forever. The word of God never changes. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You plant yourself in the truth, and you stay there. You plant yourself in truth, which is what the word says. So when circumstances come at you and the devil's always screaming lies, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not spiritual enough, you're not, you know, all these things, you just have to declare the word. But God says, but God says, but God says. This is why it's so important that you abide in the word of God. How many have signed up on our Bible reading plan? Read the Bible in here. Praise the Lord. Okay. Everybody else, are you on a plan? Do you have a plan to read the word of God every day? You have to. This is, it's like, do you plan to eat every day? <laughs> is it just automatic? Do you get up in the morning and, you know, fix your coffee, a little cereal, eggs, whatever? Or, you know, how many do that? Do you have lunch? Does anybody eat dinner? <laughs> do you plan it or just kind of, naturally happens, and if you forget, you're just like, oh, I haven't eaten, I gotta go eat something. Anybody like that here? I don't know, it just happened to me, I just, okay. The word of God should be just like that in your life. It should be just like, oh my, if I don't get in the word today, I, I'm starving, because you're literally, he said to eat his word. When Jesus said, eat my body and drink my blood, what was he talking about? What was he talking about? He was the word made flesh. If we're not eating and drinking his body and blood, having communion with the Father, what does it mean to have communion with the Father? You come into union. You come into agreement. If we are not eating and drinking his body and blood, which means to commune with him, Take in his word. Agree with what he's saying. 
You're starving yourself. You become malnourished. You, you can't bear fruit. What did we just read? Apart from me, you can do nothing. So it's abiding. If, my, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, because Jesus is the word, if my word abides in you, then you'll ask whatever you desire. Because your desires will be in line, in sync, in submission to. It, it, your desires become one with God. Why? Because he's called you into union. You know, we don't really talk about union a whole lot. But a lot of the, uh, the mystics, Teresa Reveal, John of the Cross, they talked about engaging in this deep union with God. They wanted communion with God. And they would commune. And they had such deep intimacy with God that they walked in amazing power. And you can too. Like, really, it's available. It's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's just coming into agreement with them. You know, it's not trying harder it's just staying in him. It's just abiding in him. And so when I encourage you, eat the word every day, like the same way you don't forget to get up and have your coffee in the morning and, you know, have your cereal or your eggs or have lunch if you're not a breakfast person, whatever. Like most of us, if, if, we've, if we haven't had it, like it's on our minds. I got to get something to eat. Well... This is how we should be. We need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Oh, the commandments, what does that mean? Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you that, you, <clears throat> that my joy may remain in you and your joy may be full. This is my commandment, okay, that you love one another as I have loved you. He didn't give us a whole new list. He says, no new commandment I give you, but I give love one another. There's two things we have to do. We have to love God and love one another. If you do that, by the grace of God, everything else falls into place. <clears throat> I'm going to try to, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Jesus tells us to remain in his word. Let it soak into your mind, your will, your emotions. Let the word of God permeate every part of you. We talk about renewing our minds so that our minds are rewired to think the way God thinks. And then part of abiding sometimes is called waiting. You're, you're waiting on the Lord. 
The writer of Hebrews says that uh, he calls waiting, actually calls it faith. In, in Hebrews 11, 1, now he says, chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not seen. It's not in front of you, but you're, it's a substance of hope. You know, you can't live without hope. You ever met anyone who's totally, really hopeless? It's a scary thing. They're, they're usually put on suicide watch. Faith, another translation, faith is the assurance of what we hope for, the conviction not seen. The Apostle Paul talks about waiting, only he calls it hope. He says, turning uh, Romans, turn with me to Romans 8.23. Paul speaking about the hope of our redemption and the ultimate glorification of our bodies as sons, daughters of God. And then he says, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen, that's no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. The vision awaits the appointed time. Write it down. God's given you promises. Write them down. Rehearse them. But know that it's the, the vision comes at an appointed time. Like Ogo shared, you don't want to run ahead of it. God's going to, he's got you. Sit with him, wait on him, and he'll bring it to pass. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. I'm going to close with this. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. This was a prescription was given to us. We were just born again. Pastor Sadafel, you have to do this, take this three times a day, Psalm 91. Declare it over yourself. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Listen, he's going to cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you're going to take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. When you're being persecuted, when you're being challenged, when you're being threatened. It's these truths that will keep you. This is what needs to rise up inside of you.
You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. This has to rise up in your spirit. You have to know this. You must know this. This has to rise up in you in the pressure, in the assault, in whatever is happening. This has to arise in you. Only with your eyes you shall look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil will befall you. Nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. Listen, you're going to tread on the lion and the cobra. Maybe not the natural ones. But you're going to tread on them. Those who seek, the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's toothless. You shall tread on the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent, you're going to trample underfoot. This has to permeate your being. This has to rise up. When you're, when you're in the pressure, it's, listen, when everything's going great, I like that. But there has to be something deep inside of you. There has to be a well that you can draw on, a well of living water. And this has to be, and, and this is the word, this is Jesus that you need to draw out of you. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. Come on. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Everybody stand up. Come on. Jesus. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask whatsoever you desire, and it will be granted. Let's abide in him. Let's surrender all the other stuff and just, just abide in Christ. He's so good. He's so good. Let's just draw on that rich, rich well. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in the room right now. The Holy Spirit, I thank you for moving on hearts. God, I thank you for changing minds. That's called repenting. It's a change of mind. It's a change of direction. There may be those in this room right now who 
you've been kind of on the fence. You've been kind of, yeah, this Jesus thing's okay, but I don't know. You're still kind of doing things your own way. There's grace in the room. If the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart, I want to encourage you, now is the appointed time. Now is the time to surrender it all and say, God, I don't want to go my way. I don't want to be of two minds. Sometimes I'm going this way. Sometimes I'm doing a Jesus thing. It's time to stop being double-minded. It's time to surrender. What you thought were fun and games, they're over. Jesus is talking to you right now. So if that's you, I invite you. I'm going to invite you to come forward. We don't typically do that. But if you come forward, we're going to pray with you. And God's going to release salvation. That's the biggest miracle that happens. And all of heaven rejoices. So if that's you, just come on forward. Let's worship him.